We are looking up Fine Bone Chi Royal Albert Fine Bone China right now. Because you have a problem. That's all. Okay, hey, it's Royal Albert. This could be worth something. Are you planning on selling the China? No, but what I'm seeing is she's using it then. season two. I can't believe it's season two. I'm very excited. Um, and for the first episode of season two, uh, it makes me doubly excited. I am here with my roommate, Lydia Cardona, and I'm so excited to talk to her today. We're going to be talking a little bit about identity, our um, origin story. Is that a word? Origin yeah, story totally. um, of us becoming roommates and besties and <laughs> Lifelong partners, because as she told me this morning, um, when she buys a house, I'm, I have to pay the rent with her. Uh, so... Is that not reasonable? <laughs> oh my gosh. You're committing to me for like another five years. It's so much. I could do that. It's so much. I'm a lot. Anyway. <laughs> we are sipping tea out of fine china. Fine bone china. Fine bone china. I'm so sorry. No. Um, that's, that's how we're doing it from season two. Fine, China. That's, that's the theme. Anyway, Lydia, please introduce yourself. Yeah. So I'm the one who classes, um, Natalia up in our, (laughs) in our daily living, um, Mm -hmm. providing the fine bone China. Um, no. So obviously I'm Natalia's roommate and, um, I am originally from Georgia, but my family's from Puerto Rico and I've been living in DC seven years give or take the two years that I was abroad for grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to talk about our origin story um, together, our friendship, mm-hmm. and many more interesting things today. Yes, because we're a hoot and a half. <laughs> um, so Lydia, let's start with the origin, circa 2017. <laughs> it had to be, right? You're, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was 2017 yeah. because I think that's, when we that's, is, yeah, that's yeah. when I moved back up to DC, um, and I was I moved up here for this job that I'm at. Um, I came in January, moved in with like the first people I found on Craigslist, who ended up being completely crazy. Um, they normally are. You and... said Craigslist. So. <laughs> Sips tea in background, literally the... and figuratively. <laughs> the rent was affordable. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and then. Two months out, I knew desperately that I had to leave, and thankfully it was a month-to-month contract, and mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to find a place that was, like, going to be my own, and that I could build with somebody, um, because my old crazy roommates had a lot of roles, um, and so I was literally cleaning their bathroom for them, like, on the <laughs> reg. Um, so... Anyway, you do that now, but it's fine. Anyway, continue. We both do. We both clean the bathroom, both, yes. We are clean people. <laughs> Um, so I found this place and I decided to take it, even though I didn't have a roommate at the time. And I was like, how am I going to pay rent on this two bedroom apartment? Um, and I posted it super eager, um, like a month out and you were one of the first people that I found on Facebook. I don't, I must've put it on Facebook, right? You did. Yeah. We found each other on the Facebook. In in a group or something like that. Yeah. Um, so you responded and I still remember sitting in my like really like sad little den in this other apartment (laughs) and like being on the phone with you and just like getting the giggles and I was like I like this girl like I I really get along with her and I just had a good feeling we did we talked for a really long time and I was like I think this is it and it felt so much better than like the other people I had talked to um and something my mom said to me which cracked me up because so I one of the people I, in- I interviewed with, which also is like a weird concept to like interview to like be a roommate. It was it was like two girls and like a guy, and I was gonna be taking one of the girls' room, and I, and my I was like it's fine, like I've lived with guys before, and my mom's like, but you've known those guys, and I was like, true, <laughs> and I was like I do not know these people, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I found you, and I like loved you and I was like this is gonna work so it was two creepy guys or me it was one it was one (laughs) guy he wasn't creepy he wasn't creepy it's just like I didn't know him 
Whereas, mm. like, the other guys I'd lived with before, I had yeah. known them, mm-hmm. so it was, like, fine. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. a big deal. But I didn't I didn't know this one. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it wasn't, like, it would seem kind of like they were, like, oh, we just live together. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, like, when I moved here, I wasn't going to know anybody. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, okay, thank God. Like, you and I can be friends and sip tea in your bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, you can't do this with everyone. You can't. You can't let everybody into your bed. I feel like we also had a conversation. I was like, listen, you can't let like everybody in this lane. <laughs> it's too much. It's too damn much. Is it not a good idea to have people in your bed? Because I feel like that's a place no. to no. hang out. I can't have everybody <laughs> in my bed. It's just too much. Or just like, we have a perfectly good couch. I've never been on your bed. Oh, I've been on your bed once when we tried oh, out your weighted blanket. when we blanket. tried the weighted blanket. One time. How many times have you been on my bed? A couple times. I just have a thing. Not that many. What are you, why are you eyelashing me for? <laughs> it has not been that many times. You're making it sound like I'm being here on a daily basis. I mean, you're more than weekly, welcome to come weekly. in. Girl, you know if you just showed up, you'd be there. Anyway, this is digressing. Um, but, yeah, I remember, okay, so what she's not telling you is the fact that um, she freaked me out. And <laughs> I was just trying to tell the rosy side of the story. Oh, no. On this podcast, we get very real. Okay. So we, it literally was like the dead of night. She texted me. She was a little bit more than tipsy. And go, yes, you were, because you apologized the next day. Oh, I distinctly remember if I, like, had the energy to scroll through text messages. <laughs> Uh, freaking out because she was like worried that I was like not gonna commit and then she was like there was like this other girl who like said she'd like commit tomorrow mind you Lydia was she was gonna have to live like three weeks without me she wasn't it was more than three weeks was it it was okay okay let me tell it from my side because really I'm the one who was freaking out for a reason um so I had this apartment that I was on the hook for and I started lease in like early March like end of February early March and Natalia wasn't going to be able to move in until mid-April. And I had also met this other girl who was a teacher um, and worked at, like, a Catholic school in Georgetown or something. And so, therefore, had a full-time paying job. Listen, semantics. <laughs> semantics. Has rent, and, rent ever been late, Lydia? And Okay, <laughs> but I met this girl in person. <laughs> she has a job. And so I was like, okay, this girl can move in tomorrow. I'm not going to have to pay rent on this apartment by myself for a month, you know. Um, and I've met her. I know she's real. So, like. We FaceTimed. You saw my face. Did we? Okay, well, you're right. We did FaceTime. But I was weighing, you know, do I go with, like, the safe choice of somebody who can move in, like, tomorrow and I don't have to pay this extra money and, you know, like, I know for a fact is going to be able to pay the bills or do I go with this, like, really fun person who seems nice that I met virtually that I don't know anything about. Um, but I had a good feeling, you know, we got, we got along well. So I just had a moment. I needed to know that you were in it. You don't text somebody in the middle of the night. Terrified me. Terrified. <laughs> I was like, because at that point I had told, um, like I told GW I was coming. I had told my parents. But you I didn't was... base that on the apartment. No, but, like, no, not just the apartment, but, like, that was, like, the mm-hmm. last thing that had to, because mm-hmm. I, at the time, I was working at Trader Joe's. I could transfer with them. I was working, mm-hmm. at the time, I was working for White House Black Market. I could transfer mm-hmm. with them. So, like, all my transfers were good. My my uh, manager at White House Black Market uh, was going to talk to my manager mm-hmm. down here. So, like, everything, like, transfers and stuff were, like, moving in motion. Mm-hmm. And so the apartment was, like, the last thing, and it was coming to a time, like, I think I was, like, leaving in, like, two months or something, or a month mm-hmm. or something, and, like, I was like, no, you cannot back out. This is, like, the perfect rent. Okay, like I keep my word. <laughs> I was I terrified. keep my word. And you know what? Ultimately, I think there's a really important lesson there for the viewers. The <laughs> listeners? We are on the podcast. Sorry. The listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank God they're not the viewers right now. <laughs> yes, because all types of foolishness. Um, but, no, like, I think... You know, that was really valuable for me, at least, in terms of learning the importance of trusting my gut. Mm-hmm. And I really, like, over and over again, I have learned, always trust your gut. And it's so hard to do that because it's not your head that's mm-hmm. thinking. It's just a feeling. And, like, I was going through something at that time where mm-hmm. I was 
really struggling with whether or not to trust my gut. And I, mm-hmm. you know, and I did, and it was the right decision. But, um, you know, this was another one of those moments where I was like in the middle of this personal, like debacle of like learning how to trust myself. And, you know, there was this irrational decision of choosing somebody <laughs> who was a grad student that I'd never met, who doesn't have, me. you know, <laughs> didn't have a real job at the time. And, um, and it worked out beautifully. And dead, because here we are once again, sipping yeah. tea. On my bed. On your bed. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I, I get it. Like at the time though, I was freaking out because it, it seems yeah. like for me, like it seemed like everything was mm-hmm. falling into place. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, like the transfers are going to go through. I got into GW for grad school. I like, you know, like everything kind of seemed, awesome. <laughs> I dabble. Um, and so like everything kind of seemed good. So I was like, not, I don't know. That was, so for me, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't move. And I was in a situation um, that wasn't healthy for me at all. Like my living situation was like super not like, I mean, we can talk about it from our, when, you know, like the first couple months of us living together, there was things like I would freak out about because I thought you were going to like freak out and like then disown me. And because I was just, <laughs> no, literally, because I was so like kind of traumatized from like where I had lived. Those things? I don't remember. Like, I mean, we were having not like real issues, but like me going to work and like leaving dishes mm. a lot and like. Because I would, like, work weird hours, so I'd come mm-hmm. home tired and, like, not always clean them right away. Or, like, <clears throat> or making sure that, like, you know, all the chores were, like, divided up evenly and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, because, like, it, I feel like it takes a while before you really get, like, a good groove. And, like, now, obviously, we have a really good groove. Like, you pick up slack and I'll pick up slack. Like, I don't mind. Like, this past week, like, you were working from home, but, like, you had a lot to do. So I was like, okay, I'm going to clean the bathroom and the kitchen. You know, like you were lovely. <laughs> that made my week. <laughs> no, but it's like, but it's, but it's those, but it was those. Ooh, thank you, more tea. Ooh, that is hot. But it's delightful because <laughs> I was very chilly until this moment. Um, but like, I, f- I feel like we found mm-hmm. a, a groove. So, and I, and I know when it comes to you know getting back into the swing of the semester of grad school, like my finals, like I know that, like, okay. I may not get everything done, but, like, I know, like, one weekend Lydia will pick up the slack. Like, we have that kind of rhythm, and I didn't have that where I was before, yeah. and it was very, like, aggressive, and for me, it was, like, very hostile. And so I, the little things, like, when you would be upset or be like, hey, let's talk, I would, like, my, <laughs> poor thing, <laughs> my heart would just, because I was like, this is it, like, it's gonna be a thing, Aww. then we're not gonna talk to each other, it's gonna be, like, so all these things, like, escalated because I would just, because I was having, like, this post-traumatic, like, mm. feeling from where I previously was. Mm. And, I, and I was like, I can't go back to that mental mm. space. And, like, I was like, I'm really trying to, like, do different and, like, start different in this different place where I don't have mm. to, you know, deal with other things. But you truly did make that, that transition either. Like, I, I said it all the time. It's like, I don't think I would have made it my first year in D.C. if it wasn't for you. Oh, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't have. It was a mess. Mm. I didn't, like... I was like, how am I gonna make friends? Like, who? I don't. The when I knew you made friends so fast. Oh my gosh! But I didn't think I was going to. Like, I didn't think it was gonna be. I remember the first. It was like my first full night here. (laughs) And Leo Vero. Yeah, everyone came over, over and I was just like, oh okay. And um, Leo poured that very heavy-handed drink, and but like everybody was super nice and like super engaging and like, like wanted to know things about me and like, you know, included me and like you included me. And that was really big because the people I lived before were like, you know, telling like these horror stories. They're like, tell you, she's Puerto Rican. She's going to have like, she's gonna be, like <laughs> very like, cause we all came from immigrant households and like oh. houses of holds of color. And, and then I was like, but I grew up with like a lot of Puerto Ricans. Wait, wait, so, what were they saying about Puerto Ricans? They're like, Natalia, cause like they're in their mind. Like I was like this super like messy and like not together person just like but that was also a product of like the environment I was kind of in mm. and they're like she's not going to take any of your nonsense like da, da, da. 
And I was like, oh my God, like, how is this going to go? Like, it was, it was just like this whole thing. And they're, and they were like, how old is she? I was like, well, she's like 28, but she's like a real adult. And so like, there were like all these things. Little did they know. I was like, (laughs) little did they know that sometimes the student is being the teacher. Um, And... And so I was, I, you know, I was worried about all of that stuff. And I was worried, like, I know we had talked about, like, okay, we want to have room with somebody who we're going to be friends with and that we're going to be able to get along and, like, have real discussions with. And, but, you know, that's all well and good until it actually comes to a forefront. And then, um, but your friends, like, really included me. And then I was like, okay, this is going to be okay because, yeah, like, it was, it was just, like, a very welcoming kind of moment to know that, like, for the first couple months Mm. that I was here when I was trying to make friends and do different things that like if Lydia invited me to something I I could go and feel comfortable like I didn't feel like her friends were gonna be like oh that's just like Lydia's roommate like you know kind of thing no they love you and you were obviously a delight to be around so and I truly love them so I had no idea that that was all like I don't know this process that you were going through. It's interesting. I really had never considered because you don't you never came off that way of you know as as though you were nervous or worried about making friends or things like that. I mean, I feel like you instantly were just like <laughs> had a group of people from church and like you like you probably had a dinner party at our apartment like a month after moving <laughs> in. Like you were you were just so good at like being new to this place and you know seeking things out and I had to try like really hard like because I was coming from somewhere where I'd been for like five years and like a good a good amount of people I knew and were like friends with um stuck around it feels like a lifetime ago that you were like at Trader Joe's and talking to me about your Trader Joe's friends yes you know the fun and the drama of things like, that happen. Too much like, drama. Yes, yeah. it feels like forever ago now. It's and it's it hasn't even been yeah. a full year since I left. Yeah, it was just a. I mean, Trader Joe's kind of gives you that built-in family, yeah. also because you're the only ones working those weird hours. So mm-hmm. it gave me that like yeah. flexibility. But it it truly a lot was like Natalia. Okay, you have to jump in. Like I know it's no, you're like a super outgoing person. But when it comes to certain, I can be like very like tense and like awkward. I'm like, I don't know how to navigate mm, this space. <laughs> I'm not. I hide it very well. Because I'll just, I'll be like, I'll, I'll smile and I'll be like, I'm okay. But like inside I'm like, hey, fake it till you make it. It's a real thing. I was working on a presentation for work on confidence for the, <laughs> no, literally. So I'm replicating this training on mm-hmm. um, the confident facilitator Mm-hmm. It was a series from um, Plan, well, they used to be housed at Plan International, but the Women Lead Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's for young women on how to become good facilitators and trainers. And we're replicating this um, at CI for, for people mm-hmm. internally. And one of the presentations is on confidence. And I was reading that today and I was like, this is such a good reminder. It says that confidence is um, turning belief into action mm. and then action into belief. And so mm. even if you don't like, you know, fully feel a certain way, pretending like you do mm-hmm. makes it happen. So did you feel like you had like a weird kind of reaction to having to adjust to like me as a new person and and like still do your whole adult life? I don't know. Was it was mm. it weird or different or new having me just kind of like come into the fold? I mean, it was I feel like, uh, honestly, like, we just got along so well from the start, and that made all the difference and continues to. Like, mm-hmm. we, I think we have a good yin and yang, yeah. for sure. Yeah. We, we have a good balance. Um, I, I do remember, like, kind of missing, like, how, I don't know, I, I did enjoy, like, the month that I was here by myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked how, you know, things were always in, like, a certain place, yeah. or, like, that kind of, like, I had never lived by myself before actually mm-hmm. now that I think of other than when I was an RA in college but that didn't count because that was not <laughs> when you a, had your room that so was literally where we room. live now like yeah. just this it, one it was, a, it was smaller a than this oh it well. was smaller than my room is it smaller than my room I mean my room is not that small it's about like, the size of your room okay and normally two people would sleep in there absolutely not. but I had my own but yeah. it was my own because I was an RA <laughs> so anyway so that was kind of nice kind of feeling that for a while and so when you came in, I was, you know, I did kind of like miss that a little bit, but honestly, mm. it went away so fast. Mm. It really did. Like I felt like we got along so well, and it was fun, like having a built-in friend, mm-hmm. right? Like I was also pretty new here again at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd only 
I had moved back to DC in January, so that was what April. So yeah, I, I think there's it was like probably as smooth and as easy as it could have been. Mm. Yeah, there was no I don't think I had any like uh major like reservations. Like I don't think I there was nothing I was like, okay, well, I should probably start looking for apartments. <laughs> after this lease is done and i was i was truly worried about that because i was like our lease is 18 months you were brave you were brave to sign a lease on a place well you hadn't signed it yet which was another reason why i was scared again because i hadn't seen it to be (laughs) fair but there was a plan there was a plan time for me to come down oh girl i was so now that now i'm remembering why i was so nervous you didn't even sign the lease till you got here which you know you could have easily yeah, I mean, we're both good people, which we know now, but at the yeah. time, I could have easily gotten shafted, um, as could you have. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, <laughs> but I think that was the first thing I made you do was sign a lease. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. It's, like, tucked away in your file somewhere. <laughs> no, which is totally fair, but, like, I was like, okay, but I yeah, know you're I'm brave. committed, but, like, I want to But by that time, I had sent in, like, my, my prorated... Rent oh, stuff that's her. right. Oh, you had given your deposit. Yeah, yeah money yeah. was already. That's so true. I yeah. had a sign either way. Um, yeah. But my but my mom was here with me when I, the first time I got to see the apartment, which was. She was. Yeah, remember because we uh, came down for that weekend. We got into the car oh, that's accident. Right. My sister was yeah. here. You right? were you were moving in stuff. Yeah, you came the weekend that I moved in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like a month or and a half or something because yeah. I came for a open house for grad school mm-hmm. um and i was yeah, like okay well while we're here obviously we'll go check out sister. yeah Aww. and we checked it out and we i really liked it my mom really liked the neighborhood i loved i i mean obviously we love our neighborhood yeah. but yeah i remember all of those things that i was terrified of or like other people had told me to be like worried about mm-hmm. it didn't really come to fruition like we never because we've never had like fights because anything it's like that more of like very frightening for me if we did yeah, like, <laughs> i don't openly fight with people i think my sister is probably the only person i would openly fight with. <laughs> like as an as an adult you know mm-hmm. i think so. like we more so just like handle things like i know i need 30 minutes mm-hmm. but usually it's mainly about like like just stuff like mm-hmm. like but not major not like you're stealing everything and like we have to talk or like mm. I don't know I don't know some some that's, foolishness that's happened to someone out there I'm sure oh 100 percent I've heard stories <laughs> so yeah no I I which is weird because I feel like we have such an anomaly of a story yeah yeah so no, I think people... I really think they're like we were very blessed oh yeah and I you know I feel like this is one of those situations in which I I know that like we ended up together for a reason oh, yeah. and both, you know, kind of complement each other mm-hmm. and we're right place, right time. And, you know, God brought us together in that way. So 100%. I also, what I knew was, um, <laughs> when you, we were on the phone and you go, so like, I know it's a little weird, but I go to church every Sunday. I was like, girl, please, I'll be there that. with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I don't, what is wrong with my memory? I don't remember. I, don't, like, I remember this. I remember this because I, <laughs> Because, like, after, like, we talked, I was trying to, like, make a mental note of everything we said and we mm-hmm. talked about because I wanted to make sure, like, when I met you, like, your personality matched mm-hmm. to, like, what you said. Mm-hmm. And just trying to, like, okay, she said this, like, do I feel like it actually meant that? Like, you know, like, not overanalyzing because you don't, you don't know. You don't know yeah. sometimes. And yeah. so I was, like, trying to double check and go over everything. But yeah, I like I I That's love moving hilarious. in. Yeah, I love moving in. I loved being here. We're slowly but surely getting our apartment together. We bought chairs, so we can't move now. No. Is really what it is. It's <laughs> so we're stuck because we bought no. those chairs. They're nice chairs. I do like them. Um, I felt so good to not have to move. We've already we passed our eighteen months. We're almost. Oh yeah. At what? We're, two years. we're at two years. Yeah. Now. Almost. Well, almost in a couple, couple months we'll in, be at two March, years. It'll yeah. Be two years. Um. Which is crazy. Yeah. Because we just talked about this the other day that we never thought, like, we'd live with somebody that long. Yeah. And we, and we did. So. Or stayed in the same place. I've never, in the same I've place, never yeah. lived in the same apartment for more than a year. More than a year, Since yeah. Since I was 18. I went to college. First, this is the first time. And we love it. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't, we'd have to pack up everything. That would uh, be so uh, much. Um, so, okay, transitioning a little bit, because we've talked a lot about us, which is great, because we're great, but talking, you know, more about you, um, 
something I really want to touch on is the fact that you're Puerto Rican. And both of us coming from, like, ethnic backgrounds, I think, was something that really brought us together. Because mm-hmm. um, when we talk about, like, growing up and, like, the rules that our parents had, they're very similar. We're literally talking mm-hmm. about this at dinner um, tonight yes. while we were eating. I'm convinced we have the same yeah. parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but I want to talk about the fact that, like, you, I mean, you bring it up, you know, that you are very white presenting because you're a lot lighter than the rest of mm-hmm. your family. And I'm wondering how that, you know, has played out in your life. Has it been good? Has it been bad? Has it been a mix of both? Mm-hmm. And and what does that look like? Do you feel sometimes that you're not, not that you're not fully identifying with like your Puerto Rican side, but like, yeah. do you kind of feel like left out in some manner or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Yeah. Identity is a weird thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, in doing, like, peace studies, um, there are some, like, theories that would would mm-hmm. say that, like, identity is actually a basic need. Mm-hmm. And that people being able to um, assert their identity is a basic need and, and can be a cause of conflict. Anyways, all this to say that it's very confusing um, being white and being Puerto Rican and basically being in the middle of two different worlds Mm -hmm. and i mean both worlds are very compatible obviously because puerto ricans are americans and um you know i obviously like i do have family that live in the u.s many cousins although most of my family is in puerto rico but yeah i almost i think that there's you know there's a good and a bad of being a latino and american in america Mm -hmm. obviously um and i have been able to claim both you know the good Mm -hmm. of being a latina and also the good of being like a white person and Mm -hmm. so in that sense it's you know benefited me i would say but Mm -hmm. in other senses i feel like the downside that i've inherited from that um from getting the best of all worlds Mm -hmm. essentially is you know not feeling like my external self reflects Mm -hmm. how i feel right Mm -hmm. so like you know, I grew up speaking Spanish in my house, and um, we obviously, as a Puerto Rican family, had many <laughs> different, um, you know, like, unorthodox things, probably, <laughs> that we did growing mm-hmm. up, um, that, you know, our neighbors and friends who came over, certainly, did. like, I remember really wishing that we would have, like, an American Thanksgiving one year. Mm. I was like, I wonder what it's like to have mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> I was jealous mm-hmm. of, of, like, other kids. And, you know, now now that I'm an adult, I'm totally not, like, having Puerto Rican rice. Arroz con gandules is, like, the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, there's definitely this element of, like, I get to walk around and people think that I'm white. Yeah. And, you know, in a place like, in a place like Georgia where, you know... There's a large Latino population, although Mm -hmm. there's also, you know, elements of discrimination still, um, obviously it being the South. Like, I do remember my parents, you know, at times maybe not being um, treated as well Mm -hmm. as they should have been because they have an accent when they speak um, English. And, you know, it's... And they say things a little bit differently. Like, mm-hmm. the, it's not, you know, there are some parts, some things that they might say that you might not understand that well, depending mm-hmm. on how they're explaining it. And I've seen people be rude to them or, you know, um, not treat them the same as others because of it. And it's weird to me to feel like that, you know, that hurts me because that mm-hmm. is part of me. But at the same time, I don't have that, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm white and freckly. And if you saw us, separately like you would think that I was you know another white person Mm -hmm. so yeah I would say that it's a source of like constant personal Mm -hmm. you know confusion for sure because it does feel unfair in some ways Mm -hmm. that like that I don't you know I haven't had to deal with any of that but at Mm -hmm. the same time there's so many times that I really wish that people did see me for what I feel like I am which is Mm -hmm. Puerto Rican like it's so frustrating to have to feel like I have to defend yeah my like who I am every mm-hmm. time somebody finds out that like my parents are Puerto Rican it's usually like oh well which parent is that no no it's uh, both it's, it's the entire family like it's it's everyone <laughs> it's, it's grandma everybody. grandpa like aunts and that, yeah, everyone. Very much everybody. it's everyone um 
Although I do have a cousin who is half Puerto Rican, half Korean. There's not, not a lot of that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So it is, it is frustrating to have to say, like, no, actually, this is what I am. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty cool. I wish you recognized me as that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I in college, for example, I took part in this uh, minority professional development leadership program mm-hmm. called Management Leadership for Tomorrow. Um, no, but I was part of MLT, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. It's the reason I was able to get my first job out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody there, as you would suspect, is a minority, mm-hmm. right? So they, um, they welcome African-American, Latino, and Native American um, uh, college students who are in their junior and coming to, to sophomore incoming to junior year to mm-hmm. try to find ways to connect them into the private sector to find, you know, to position um, these talented and smart, um, diverse youth mm-hmm. into companies that really need more representation mm-hmm. um, of this talent. And I obviously was like the palest person at all of these <laughs> conferences. And mm-hmm. I, I always felt like people were like wondering why I was there. You know, mm-hmm. and so I don't know. It's it's always been kind of like, what? It, how much does the color of your skin really define that? Because, for example, like one of my other roommates, she um, she's Puerto Rican and part Dominican. She's you know like pretty dark skin and like you can one hundred percent tell that she's Latina. And, yeah. And yet you know like she doesn't speak Spanish. Um, and like she never lived in um. She never lived in Puerto Rico or the DR. She she mm-hmm. grew up in New York, so then it almost becomes this kind of like, well, to what to what extent or what mm-hmm. makes somebody more Hispanic than somebody else, or mm-hmm. more, I you know I think it probably happens a lot as well in the Black community. Like, mm-hmm. what makes somebody more Black than another one mm-hmm. than another person, right? So mm-hmm. there's like this degree of the extent to which you're part of this ethnicity or race, and mm-hmm. it's like that's so dumb. Because I think we place so much value on on outward appearance which is which is true because like if you if people knew you like knew they'd know that like through our house there's you know we blast salsa music or like the only clubs that we ever go out to are salsa (laughs) day clubs like that is the only place i'll ever go out i've never salsa danced so much in my life but i love it (laughs) they'd know that you know like the things that are frozen in the freezer that i always misspell like miss say (laughs) no i'm gonna say it wrong again Pastetas? Yeah. Pastetas. Yes. Nice. Um, yeah. Or that, you know, you make Puerto Rican food. That was our Christmas party was like basically half Jamaican, half Puerto Rican. Like that was, you know, that was all the food. So in, I think in everything else, then you're like outside. Although like, I feel like even if I look at you, I'm like, okay. The you eyebrow. Know. The eyebrows. Yeah. There's something I'm like, you. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true. I feel like there is this correlation between color and and then like what is your mm-hmm. ethnicity and how and how we think we can treat or talk to certain people because of you know how they present themselves i mean in the black community i'm growing up a lot of it had to do with the way that you spoke and so i you know i was teased for the fact that like i spoke white the fact that like i didn't use contractions all the time i don't know um but my household was very black. You were for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I was, I, I was told, like, I didn't really fit in with the black kids. And it be, but for, like, weird reasons. And it was because, you know, I was, like, I was smart. I took a lot of honors classes. And that's not where a lot of the black and other people of color kids were. Um, most of them were in, like, level two or three classes. Uh, and I was kind of, you know, the one that stuck out. And so it's this association that's like, oh, she hangs with, like, the white kids, you know, so she must be more like them, and she doesn't really, like, understand, like, struggle or whatever. Um, and, but when I would go home, it's like, I have a very black Jamaican immigrant household, and to, like, try and explain that to people was diff- difficult, because I did hang out with, like, a lot of white kids, um, that went to my school and, you know, they had just different vibes with their parents and the way in which they spoke to them. And I was like, mm-hmm. if I spoke to my parents like that, absolutely not. Um, mm-hmm. or, you know, my mom was like, you can go out once, like either you go bowling or you're gonna, you can't go to both, even if they were on different days. There was no, 
I couldn't drive with kids in the car, like, mm-hmm. even if, um, you know, they had their license for a year that was ruling Connecticut. Um, just, like, rules that, like, and ways in which I went about my life mm-hmm. or even the foods that we cooked in our house, like, was not anything like a lot mm-hmm. of my friends from school. Mm-hmm. My friends from church, however, was a lot of Nigerians, a lot of Puerto Ricans. Um, my two best friends were, one was half Jamaican, the other one's fully Jamaican, like off the boat. So like they got it, you know? So because they were with me yeah. and like those yeah. were who I was really close to, but it's, but yeah, it's, it's a weird identity. And I think like the way in which society tells us how we have to be, tells kids how they have to treat you and kind of how they have to classify you because you don't fit into mm-hmm. their into their molds and the way I grew up is also very different from the way my cousins grew up you know one town over my parents made very different choices than their parents Mm -hmm. um, because they did want to keep me out of the quote-unquote stereotypical black Mm -hmm. life in America at the time but I think it's it's hard because as much as you want to keep someone away from something we're still part of it Mm -hmm. and so we still and we see those that look like us being part of that of that thing that we're not a part of Mm -hmm. and I feel like we weirdly cling to that if that makes sense yeah yeah it does yeah it's I mean we have to accept like the I don't it's not label but like Mm -hmm. the the box Mm -hmm. that people put you in really what it is Mm -hmm. it's so confusing because like what i'm i'm having trouble like verbalizing these like big thoughts that i'm Mm -hmm. having but basically we require like social you know acceptance and interaction and Mm -hmm. all of that shapes you know your self-esteem and like we very much need that as social beings but at the same time it can be harmful right Mm -hmm. and so like all the while we do want, you know, recognition of something, maybe it's recognition of like our identity again, mm-hmm. which I talked about is like super important. Um, it's not necessarily the one that people are willing to give us because mm-hmm. of the boxes that they've, you know, decided to yeah. put us in. Yeah, it's it's a very yeah. strange, weird narrative, and I I think shows like Blackish because when Blackish came mm-hmm. out. It showed, like, a black middle, upper, like, middle to upper middle class family, you know, just, like, who lived in a very, like, safe, like, kind of white neighborhood. So it's, it's just, like, it basically, it reminded me of, like, okay, like, thank God a family who kind of looks like what I grew up as Mm -hmm. in the sense of two black parents, like, very happy to be black, but, like, they live not in, like, a quote-unquote black Mm -hmm. neighborhood, you know? They have these quote-unquote normal jobs. Yeah. And what does that look like? And I think we we don't pay homage to the 90s as much because the 90s had a lot of black family sitcoms. Mm -hmm. And now that a lot of those are, like, gone and old, like, people forget, you know, that, like, they're is more than one way to think about black people or people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hope in the future they bring more of those Yeah, yeah. back out. I don't know. Did you ha- feel like you had a lot of representation on, like, television or media of, like, Hispanic families that symbolized yours or made, made you recognize, like, oh, okay, that's, like, me. That's the Cardona's. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> I mean... The only Latin family that I can think of that was on TV, like, growing up, and this would have been, like, in my later teen years, was, like, the George Lopez show. That's literally what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I guess in some ways I can identify with that, except mm-hmm. for, like, they were Mexican-American. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, their family just was not as crazy as mine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I honestly can't think of any other like Mm -hmm. latin family and that's something that really bugs me even still is Mm -hmm. that like i don't see very much hispanic representation Mm -hmm. on television latinos are the largest minority in america Mm -hmm. and continue to be largest growing and you like i feel like you know there's been a really big push and you know like the past um 10 plus years for Mm -hmm. there to be more diversity on screen and um, I feel like that has turned into like, you know, typical white cast and then token black character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like 
there has to be at least like one or two mm-hmm. and that cover that checks the box of like minority mm-hmm. it's never like what you would obviously see in like mm-hmm. normal day to day which is like you know people of every color and then maybe you know one or two white people no yeah um and so i feel like it's it has literally become this black and white yeah dichotomy on television of or you know on the screen of what um we look like and so yeah it do, it frustrates me but i i don't really see a lot of hispanics and you know um one of my goals for this year is to start writing a book and i've decided that the character is going to be a um is going to be a latina because we need to have more out there so i fully fully agree cuz it's so i mean for me even it, even seeing like a black person is great like i love that mm-hmm. and i I think there we were on TV, but it wasn't in the way that I want. I don't want to just yeah. be, yeah. you know, the slapstick yeah. character. And I and I think another huge thing for me was like I don't just want to um, see one type of black person. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the acceptable yeah. black person. Like I was just watching um, Monster in Law, mm. which I love that movie. It's very funny. But Jane Fonda, I just I love Jane Fonda. You can't not. And and it it had Jennifer Lopez, Latina, and and it had Wanda Sykes in it. Yeah, that is literally (laughs) that is hundred percent of what I was thinking. I was like, slapsy character, Wanda Sykes, Kevin Hart. Yeah, like literally. Yeah, it's just like you put Wanda Sykes is great. Like I'm never I'm I'm such a fan. I think she's fabulous. But it is like a, or even like a Chris Rock, or like, yes. who was this other guy from um, Rush Hour? Oh, who was that um, character? Oh my god, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, I but I do feel like a lot of, yes. a lot of times when, like, black characters have been represented, they are kind of like the hilarious, like, you know, comedic relief, like, yes. overreacting to something, yes. and it's like, ha ha ha, like, look yes. at how they... You know, and they, I mean, they always end up being right, but it's like yeah. we're never, I mean, cause, duh, I mean, that's just facts. But it's never like, um, it's very rare to see us in like the love interest or yeah. get our own character arcs or, you know, interests. Yeah. And I, and I think back to a lot of shows that I loved growing up and, and how they lack diversity. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad for me because I'm like, oh, I love these shows, you know, would have made it even better. To have that next level mm-hmm. of diversity. And I don't just want to see black people. I want to see, you know, Hispanic, Asian, mm-hmm. Native American. Like, I want to see the whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that actually makes me feel more represented. And not just only having a black person mm-hmm. on screen. Because being from an immigrant household, when I talk to another immigrant household, we understand each other. Mm-hmm in a different way than I think talking to someone who's white or someone who grew up in a very ethnic house. Like, mm-hmm. there's a different conversation that you have and a different understanding. Mm-hmm. And so when I see somebody on TV that, like, is not white and they're telling some type of story, I'm like, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. I don't have to be that. Not that I completely understand all experience, yeah. but, like, I'm like, okay, I get it. And they probably would get me if I tell this story about, like, mm-hmm. my family or, you know, the foolishness that I hate. Like, yeah. all those things because it's just a different... Yeah. This is a different narrative um, than one that's conventionally there. So I, I do want to see more Hispanic representation. And it is very strange that, like, you are the fastest growing. Yeah, and the largest. Yeah. More than 30% of the population. And there's, yeah. like, this weird, like, fear. And yeah. it's... it's Oh, don't even get me started on The Walking Dead, which takes place in Atlanta. There's mm-hmm. so many Latinos in Atlanta. And somehow in this zombie apocalypse, like, <laughs> I guess yep. they were the first ones killed yep. off. Because yep. there's, like, never, like, there's been, like, five. Well, when even, um, so the animated, uh, the spider, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. which I have not seen. I'm very upset with myself. <laughs> but, um, when, when he was coming out and he was... So he is half Dominican, half black. And oh, so... Like the character, like the main character? Yeah, oh, yeah. so okay. that Spider-Man is that. And oh. so people at first were like, and I'm up where I was like, do you know how many universes there are of Spider-Man? So... Wait, that's really a thing? Yeah, there's so many universes. Like, comic books have so Anyway, that's really? a whole other podcast. Yeah, so many <laughs> universes. 
Um, and so it was like the representation of like a black, like, mm. it's like, why, what? And then there was even more uproar with um, the Spider-Man, the live action with uh, Tom Holland and in it, Zendaya was playing mm-hmm. Mary Jane. And so people were in uproar because they're like, she can't be black. Why is she black? The idea that any person growing up in Brooklyn would not have a black friend, an Asian friend, a white, like, and a Jewish friend, like, all mixed into one. And a is, Hispanic and friend. And a Hispanic friend. Most is, likely a Puerto Rican. <laughs> is absolutely insane. Yeah. It was weird, the fact that Tobey Maguire's had only white people living in yeah. Brooklyn. That does not make <laughs> any sense, especially for the time when he when they shot that movie in the early 2000s. There's no way. No. May, I would see it more now because Brooklyn's becoming gentrified versus yeah. then. Yeah. Like, there's... There's no way. And so our uproar of things is so interesting to me. And I I wonder where kind of that fear comes from. You know, it's like, I mean, it's obviously from lack of understanding and ignorance. But it's just like, if we if we were to step into Brooklyn, what would you see? Yeah. And so it's, it's weird that it, somehow we want to be lied to about what's on screen. And often it was also, you know, black people that were accepted were light-skinned. Hmm. Like, there's very few places I can mm. point to where I would see people who are my skin tone on the screen, mm. and it's not until recent years, and I and I can honestly say, like, what I really felt uh, seen was in Black Panther, because I was like, okay, these people are my skin tone, and that's 2018, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've seen a bunch of movies since then, yeah. <laughs> like, before then. Yeah. Which, you know, tells you something. It's 25 like, years, I'm sure. Yes. Yes, I've just seen a few. You know, I dabble <laughs> here and there. But I was I was wondering, do you ever feel um, sometimes that a form of guilt or a kind of confusion because it's like, I don't see Hispanics represented the way I want to, but I am white presenting. Do you feel like a, a weird dichotomy yeah. or... Yeah. Or a level of guilt. It's like, I want to push for this, but am I the person to push for it kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say even... I mean, okay, so yeah, there is that level of guilt, but then mm-hmm. there's also, like, even putting the banner on myself mm-hmm. um, of, like, oh, I'm Puerto Rican. Like, there's some reluctance to that in some way because mm-hmm. there's also, you know, as we were talking about, like, degrees of, like blackness or or latinness mm-hmm. there's also that for like puerto ricanness or just any level of like yeah. what you know immigrant degree you are mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not the right way to say it but you know i would say that a lot of people who um come from puerto rico and are here would probably say like no you're not really puerto rican <laughs> you lived here most of your life yeah. like you're white <laughs> you're you're american um, and so, you know, I am almost reluctant to be like, yeah, like I represent, mm-hmm. you know, Puerto Ricans, like when I'm in a room and, you know, I realize that I'm the only Latina, like I personally see that and acknowledge it and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm proud of being like who I am in a room mm-hmm. where there are so few others who of, um, you know, a diverse background. But I'm reluctant to be like, I am the voice of the, the yeah. Latino. Yeah, yeah, because, <laughs> because, you know, my experience might is not 100% that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I grew up in Georgia for the most part. Um, and I haven't had a lot of the struggles that somebody who with darker skin might have had or somebody mm-hmm. whose parents were illegal might have had. Um, you know, like, I have friends who used to drive their parents, like, at night if they would have, you know, like have a few drinks they'd be driving at like the age of 14 or 13 because Mm -hmm. they were afraid that they were gonna get pulled over and like my you know never had experiences like that um so yeah there is a certain level of guilt and almost like those harder things maybe the tougher things that come with your ethnicity or race are part Mm -hmm. of what give you the the badge or the honor Mm -hmm. of representing that group Mm -hmm. And because I haven't had those. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about being in spaces where you're, you know, you're not, they don't outwardly know that you're like Latina and like mm-hmm. something is said or something's expressed and you're like, that's attacking my people. What is that like for you? Because mm. I've never had yeah. to experience that. Like, there's no mistaking that yeah. I am black. You may not know what kind <laughs> of black I am, yeah. but I'm black. So 
Yeah. I've never had to be in that kind of space. Have, have you had that experience and what is it like for you? I mean, I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, often it's with people who I'm like, general, like pretty comfortable with mm-hmm. who may not know that I'm Hispanic mm-hmm. and then like something might be said and I'm like, oh. you know, it, it becomes harder it's harder to say something then mm. than if it was just, like, with a random crowd of people who, you know, like, at a restaurant who mm. might say something against Latinos, and then I would very, I'd be very, like, yeah, proud and loud to be, like, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, like, mm-hmm. what you're saying is, you know, whatever, but when it's people that you are trying to maintain a relationship mm-hmm. with, in some way, it becomes a little harder to, um, to call people out on what they don't realize are their inherent mm-hmm. biases. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, you're constantly in a weird position and, um, I won't give any specific examples because... No, no, it's totally fair. I don't want to, like, you know, somebody to to hear this and be like, wait, she was talking about me. It was me. It was that time. You were at an Arby's and it just got crazy. (laughs) So furthermore on that, like, you know... Being being a woman, being a Latina woman, you know, where do you find your kind of space and identity in the world? Do you feel welcome in your workspace with your multiple identities that you have to like juggle with that or in your in the or in the general, you know, like grander space of like life and walking mm-hmm. down the street in your, you know, apartment building and, mm-hmm. and things like that? Yeah. I mean like, it really all, it really comes back to, like, the color of my skin, mm. honestly. Like, I feel like when I walk down the street mm-hmm. in Delray or in D.C. at night, like, I know that somebody sees a white girl. Mm-hmm. And that if something were to happen to me, you know, that, God forbid, if I was, like, mugged or, you know, mm-hmm. somebody started yelling at me, like, I am a pretty, you know well-kept looking <laughs> like you've never looked like trash right. house, so. <laughs> yeah like you know so I, I look respectable mm-hmm. and I am white and I'm female and people tend to want to help or look mm-hmm. out for people who look like that mm-hmm. um so again I get all of the benefits of mm-hmm. of being a white person and you know certainly like women have a lot of disadvantages yeah and whether it's the workplace or mm-hmm. um you know in gender relationships um throughout life but like I feel like I do have it pretty good and I, I recognize that and I, I again and again feel like that makes it almost unfair for mm. me again to to claim this full mantle of like Latina-ness and I've mm. seen others kind of be reluctant to that too I mm. like remember being and um I was in this church group um that was like kind of a a book club slash discussion group on like social justice mm. issues and a few times like you know stuff about race came up and um I'm pretty sure people knew that I was Latina but that you know they always kind of said like oh well we're all white and we you know like we can't really comment on those experiences or we can't you know we don't know what that's like or you know and they also assume that I was in the same socioeconomic bracket as Mm -hmm. them and again like certainly I think I present well but I am by no means in the same (laughs) very frugal household uh, (laughs) yeah yes nonprofits uh, aren't the most Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) um, well paying jobs but yeah so I do feel like I'm constantly in those buckets of, like, I probably look like I, you know, make a decent amount of money, Mm -hmm. like, when I travel or when I, um, like, when I go home to Georgia, where Mm -hmm. where I do see kind of, like, socioeconomic differences and that become cultural differences, Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. sure, because, like, Mm -hmm. let's just put it out there, Delray in Alexander, Virginia is a very, um, affluent, affluent neighborhood, yeah. Mm -hmm. And people reflect that, you know, yeah. in, in like, in how they speak, like level mm-hmm. of education of the people that you come across and how they dress in particular mm-hmm. and um, the way that, you know, the neighborhoods look and mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, you know, goes on and on. And 
anyways, I feel like I have all the benefits of these things. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, I do have that constant struggle of like, this isn't all that I've lived and seen mm-hmm. and experienced. And, um, you know, I constantly have to prove myself or, mm-hmm. you know, I have to first of all step, decide when to step out and be like, I'm Puerto Rican, you know, yeah. like <laughs> saying that in and of itself feels like I'm trying to prove something. So I don't, I don't know. I, you know, like yeah. if I meet you, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say hi, I'm Lydia, I'm Puerto Rican, right? <laughs> um, it doesn't, you know, there's a time and a place for yeah. it to come out and it's always a revelation. And mm-hmm. so I do have to decide, you know, when it's interesting or <laughs> relevant enough for, for that to be established and in terms of sharing my experience. It's so interesting because I went to college with a girl who blonde hair, blue eyes, but like grew up in Puerto Rico Mm. and just the way in which people, or I would say like the Hispanic community, like that she hung out with, um, treated her was, you know, definitely not from like an outsider, definitely much an insider. And I wonder if that's because like, Mm she grew up in Puerto Rico, you know, and it's like everything that she did regardless of being blonde, I, you know, blonde, blonde, (laughs) blonde hair and blue eyed, like she, everything about her and her, and the way she walked, talked, like, you know, her expressions. And so it's, and I wonder if it's like, if you had grown up in Puerto Rico and then come here, like if that, level of you know identity confusion or you know misplacement would be the same and regardless or if people would even question you know whether or not yeah yeah no it's that's 100% true and I think Mm -hmm. the answer would be like no like it would be obvious Mm -hmm. right like I would carry that across Mm -hmm. in one way or another but I don't and so you know again like I'm, I'm reluctant to like if I'm in a group of people who are like from Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and grew up there and lived there, like I'm, you know, feel kind of shy about my Spanish <laughs> and like about, you know, talking about like music or things. And mm-hmm. like <laughs> my, my friend Leo, he and I joke about how like our Spanish is like stuck in the nineties. <laughs> like, <laughs> if we were to throw out like the expressions and slang mm-hmm. that, you know, we grew up listening to from our parents and stuff like that. And we use that on with our cousins. Like, mm-hmm. they laugh at us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no one says that anymore, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, it, it's just so many levels of mm-hmm. bizarre. And then, it, again, once over and over again, nonetheless, brings me to this fact of, like, okay, well, if my skin color was just a little bit darker, nobody would question that, mm-hmm. right? Like, my roommate, who um, is Dominican, Mike's roommate. I was like, there's somebody yeah, else living no. in this house <laughs> Just under the, under the bed? Okay. <laughs> really? She walks into a room. She checks the box yeah. of being, like, a minority. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, people automatically assume that she has a different experience. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's true. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, does that apply for me? Does the color of the mm-hmm. skin mean that I automatically had completely different experiences to mm-hmm. someone else? And you said that she doesn't speak Spanish, right? No. So she, um, this is quite common. I have found among a lot of Latinos in Mm -hmm. Texas and some in New York Mm -hmm. who, you know, encountered, their parents have encountered discrimination um, when they first came to the States and they decided they didn't want their children to go through that. So they never taught them Spanish. Mm -hmm. Sarah's like that. My friend Sarah. Um, Her... Her parents know Spanish, but uh, they've never... Oh, seriously. Yes. Yeah, they've oh, never... Yeah. Almost, I like, the majority of... And she's from te- Texas. Yeah. The yeah. majority of Texan, like, Latinos that I have met don't speak Spanish mm-hmm. because of that. Which is, which is crazy, because in my mind, I'm like, if you have a language, yeah. you want to carry that yeah. carry that down. Right. And it's so interesting how much of that yeah. is kind of, like, beaten out of you, but now yeah. we, like, want people to know yeah, a exactly. second... Yeah, now language. they now they change the game and like now it's like, like oh, there's you, a whole generation oh, you don't of people. Speak Spanish? Yeah. Well, bad on you. Whereas like if you did before, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so interesting because I think even she was telling me that in in school. I think she took French, also, which is just so you know like yeah. there's nothing. Yeah, but at the same time, like you wouldn't question that if it, if it was anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we wouldn't. And yeah. it, but for her, it's just like it seems like the language component. Yeah. is such a big component. And I I think, I mean, the whole thing about, like, you know, 
saying that, you know, not being Puerto Rican enough or, or not being black enough. I mean, if to go back to Jamaica, I mean, people would immediately know that I was American. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, I was going to ask you if you if you feel that as well. And I think that that's something that all, you know, immigrant, like first, second generation mm-hmm. people are, are just. Yeah, no, it's it's just like between. when yeah, yeah. Being in limbo. Because when you've lived away, and my parents have, like, my my dad calls my mom not Jamaican. He calls her American. Simply (laughs) because my mom came here when she was, like, six Mm. from Jamaica. And my dad came here when he was 22. So he, you know, he grew up, his whole formative everything was in Jamaica. But I think it's getting to the point where he's been been in the U.S. now longer than he was in Jamaica. But but he even knows that when he goes back now, Mm -hmm. it's a different just a different awareness that he has because he's been away mm-hmm. for so long. Yeah. Um, it's just like, they just know that you're not from the Island anymore, yeah. which, which is so interesting. And it's not there, but the thing is like, we're a very prideful people. Um, so like we claim it so much, yeah. you know, yeah. like it's so ingrained oh, yeah. for sure. we to... in so many yeah. things. But at the same time, like my parents don't, cook as much Jamaican food because my sister is like super picky you know <laughs> they're eating and I you didn't have a say in my household <laughs> for girl rice and beans, when I was growing up rice and beans we didn't have day. a say in my household my when my sister was growing up it was a completely different story I think my parents hit 30 and got tired so like but I just I mean I'm thinking about it, I feel like we went to a lot more Jamaican parties when mm. I was younger and then like as time went on like yeah. It just, there yeah. was this idea, and I think the pressure of society to be yeah. Americanized, and so you yeah. lose yeah. some things. But I, I feel like there is now, just the way things are going, this this need to claim, reclaim your, mm-hmm. your heritage and showing that it is unique. Because, like, mm-hmm. being Jamaican, being black is something I'm super proud of. Mm-hmm. I love having immigrant parents. I love that story. I love the fact that, like, Showing that, you know, my family now has a house mm-hmm. and literally we have a white fence. And, mm-hmm. you know, like my dad owns his own business and my mom's a teacher. Like all of yeah. these like very, yeah, you know, cliched but like beautiful things. Whereas where they came from and how they grew up, just that wasn't going to be an option. Mm-hmm. But they came here. They did the American dream thing. You know, they, yeah. and they, and they made it. And it's, it's also interesting because like my dad came here like with a fake name like you know they're like all of the, I got to watch my dad become a citizen so like these interesting so when I see things you know yeah. talked about immigrants the way they're presented I was like okay but like I lived in a household with a man who came here mm-hmm. like with a bag and mm-hmm. that was kind of it like yeah. you know had a had a fake name yeah. and then like eventually became a citizen and you know, seeing him get to vote for the yeah. first time and in an election. And how is that a bad thing, right? Like, exactly. In the way that it's portrayed and the fear that's generated around that, it's just wrong. It's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. And I've, I've formed yeah. an identity around that yeah. and kind of not claiming my parents' story as my own, but internalizing that because it's like, I know for facts what's being told to me is a lie mm-hmm. because I lived it every day. And like, my best friend who's from Jamaica, she's also, she was also an immigrant because she came here when she was six. It's like, and I see where she is now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, I see where her mom is. I see, you know, where her brother, like they also, their house is, you know, five minutes away from my house. Like I see, mm-hmm. I see that. And I know that and I understand that. So it's like, for me, I'm like, what you're saying is wrong because I, because I see. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in that in that culture and in that narrative and, and not just with like my family, but other families. So yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a very, I think identity is really complicated and convoluted and we've, and I feel like we're struggling to claim mm-hmm. our identity and things forgotten. Yeah. Um, because yeah. there was an outside society that made us forget or told us that we had to. Yeah. Well, and to an extent, like, Certainly, it's a choice as mm-hmm. well, right? Like, this is, it's our choice to be here and to mm-hmm. benefit from living a better life and, you know, where we're at right now and, and all of that. Um, and so, because it's a choice, ultimately, like, it's, it has to be a choice to be okay with whatever weird amalgamation, mm-hmm. beautiful thing that you are. Like, you know, 
at the end of the day, like, I'm super proud of, you know, my parents, where we come from, like, their story, mm-hmm. our family story, and I know that. That's part of who I am. If other people know it, recognize it, or whatever, at the end of the day, when I lay my head down at night, it doesn't really matter to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I still am and, you know, can validate myself for that, so... You know, it's still it's still like a, a tango from day to day mm-hmm. with with other people, but I don't really have to answer to that. So, mm-hmm. so the last question is, how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Hmm. Ooh, the hardest question for last. Mr. Always. Lawyer. You've listened to the podcast. You should know <laughs> this by now. So, like, the first word that came to mind mm-hmm. was strength. Like, mm. I think it takes so much strength to be a woman and the role that women tend to play in society and families, like, so much of, like, the care of the home and of, of nurturing and of people falls mm-hmm. on a woman. And that requires so much endurance and so much strength to be able to carry that. So mm-hmm. womanhood or or being a woman is, you know... A combination of like grace and strength and nurturing and I, I just am reluctant to put any sort of box around it because mm-hmm. like you know you can be a woman and be any number of like disjointed things depending on where you come from what mm-hmm. culture you are like how you grew up like you know depending on your sexuality and mm-hmm. all of these things but I do feel like there is that common thread of like you know, women tend to tend to have it harder, <laughs> like mm-hmm. in the workplace or in society or whatnot. Um, so there is that you know endurance that like and resilience that I think that women tend to have, and mm-hmm. um, you know knowing how to bounce back from things because you have to. You like, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're like a teenager who gets knocked up and now you're stuck with a child, mm-hmm. and meanwhile the you know the baby daddy got to go on and do his thing, and mm-hmm. you you know. Your, the rest of your life has changed at that point. And, like, I have seen a brilliant, you know, number of different women who have been through, like, a range of things. You know, children, no children. Like, to, like, my grandmother who had eight and lost her husband when she was, um, like, in her late 30s, right? And was stuck with eight children and, like, you know. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. And lived in poverty and like, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, so I am proud to be of the gender that I am and mm-hmm. to, you know, this is obviously like the one that I choose to be in because I love the the grace that goes with it as mm-hmm. well. And just what a woman represents, which is like life and, um, yeah, and a light that I think no matter what type of woman you are, like mm-hmm. you bring that to to the world in mm. one way or another. Yeah. We're all, we're pretty awesome. We are. Oh, this is so lovely. I'm yeah. so glad I got to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I don't know where you live. Um, yeah. But Lydia, thank you so much for joining me today and thank making some lovely me tea. And making me the special first guest of, your, of the new year. Uh, yes. I mean, who else is I going to have? <laughs> Um, but thank you everybody for listening. Um, more than pretty face is back season two coming strong. Um, a lot of exciting things coming for this season in this 2019 year. Um, if you want to connect with us and by if, I mean, you will connect with us, um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at pretty face lady three. Uh, and please go ahead and like us on Facebook at more than a pretty face. And if you want to email us because you want to be on the show, have any questions, comments, concerns, or just want to connect with the show or want to sponsor the show, please email at prettyfacewomen at mtapfpodcast.com. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.